Good morning, and welcome to HR Examiner's Executive Conversations. I'm your host, John Sumser, and today we're going to be talking with Eric Seidel from Modern Hire. Modern Hire is the new company that's made out of the old Shaker and Montage, the video interviewing company. So it's it's an interesting combination, and they are brand new as the entire entity. Um, And Eric is the Executive Vice President of Innovation. Um, there are not very many people in the industry who are as um, acute and sciencey as Eric is. It's going to be a great conversation. Hang in there. Hi, Eric. Hi, John. Good morning, and uh, thanks for the intro. I love that yeah, well, music. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, it's we've been doing this for so long that that I can't figure out what the theme music is anymore, and Shazam doesn't recognize it. But Take a take a moment and introduce yourself, if you would. Sure, yeah. Well, so um, as John said, I'm Eric Seidel, and I'm an industrial organizational psychologist by background, by training. IO Psych is the common abbreviation there, and uh, so came out of a graduate program in the late 1990s and um, started doing work with uh, what was SHL at the time, uh, doing assessment work and consulting work around hiring, um, helping companies hire people using fairly traditional assessments at that point. And shortly after that, founded Shaker, which became Shaker International, which is now Modern Hire. And we created virtual job tryouts, which are day-in-the-life simulations of jobs for a lot of big companies and smaller ones as well over the years, but uh, very custom, very engaging uh, solutions that design, were designed to really immerse a person in the job and role and then collect a ton of data and use that data to predict job performance and turnover and outcomes that our clients cared about. And we still do all that stuff, but now in the context of a much larger organization that has a lot more uh, workflow automation tools and interviewing capabilities as well. And um, so I stopped doing real consulting work uh, years ago and kind of went into the R&D and innovation side of the house, which is where I sit now. And I am fortunate to be able to work with a team of data scientists. And together with them, we are focused on trying to figure out where we can go and how how fast and how hard we can push the capabilities of, of assessment and selection to try to get you know better outcomes for our clients using all of the most cutting-edge sciencey stuff that is out there. So, so if you were to describe uh, modern hire in a few words, what does modern hire do? Yeah, so modern hire is a platform that allows us to uh, collect a lot of data about a candidate, including interview data, video, audio, text interviews, um, virtual job tryout data, and over time, other data sources as well and then use that data to help companies, to help clients and individual hiring managers make good decisions about their candidates. And um, so whereas, whereas Shaker was just one tool, a point solution, the virtual job tryout, um, now what we're, what we're doing is much more platform-oriented because we're recognizing that the power of our science, of data science, of IO psychology, goes beyond just a point solution. And really what our value is, I think, is helping companies to understand all that data. It's enormously complex, 
helping companies to understand it. What does it predict? Um, what is it good for? What is it not good for? And how can we make the best possible decision based on everything we know, not just one piece of the process? And at the same time, there's a lot of workforce automation stuff that's designed in our platform to make the, the hiring process smoother and, and easier for candidates as well as uh, clients. That's a, that's a broad array of stuff. Now, it sounds to me like these are tools that work um, in high volume settings. Um, is is that right? And and if that's right, are you working to um, reduce the um, scale of the job so that you can you can deliver this in tinier increments to reduce the scale of the job well so 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 what i mean is as i listen to to you talk about what what your tools do it it sounds like they work in jobs where you hire a lot of people to do the same job okay. um yeah right um, and yeah, so, yeah. so first, is that is is that accurate? And then, and then, if that's accurate, talk a little bit about what you're doing to reduce the 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 size requirements for your stuff to be. Yeah, useful. yeah, definitely. I mean, we started almost 20 years ago studying the highest volume jobs we could study because those are the ones that have all the data, so much data to study and learn from. So we did that, you know, with. Bank of America tellers and, uh, you know, all kinds of big, um, big positions for big companies out there. And over the years, we have learned a lot of things about what predicts success in those jobs. And um, so then what the task is, is to filter that down into other jobs that are lower volume. Lower volume jobs are um, certainly on the table, and certainly we do a lot of work in lower volume jobs. But the challenge often is, you know, creating ways to measure the things that matter in those jobs, but, um, but which don't require a lot of local validation and study because the company might not have enough people to do that. And so we take the learnings from the bigger jobs that we've done and filter them down. And there's, you know, there's, I mean, we've gotten over the years, we've been, like I said, almost 20 years. So we've done uh, research on uh, so many different jobs out there that we do have a lot of, a lot of knowledge about what predicts for lower volume jobs, but I do think that, you know, we, we're we never going to have all the answers. So the question, the challenge is just, you know, collecting more and more data all the time, always, always crunching it, always refining it, uh, making it better. So I'd imagine that, that as you collect that data and crunch all of that data, you're starting to accumulate some broad understanding of what work is and isn't and what um, being good for a particular job is and isn't. Do you ever generalize about that, that sort of stuff? Is it possible to generalize about it? Well, I mean, you know, our field as a whole has been mostly focused on doing that. And so academics in IO psychology have done million studies on basic characteristics of people that predict results in jobs like conscientiousness as a personality construct is very predictive overall of job performance in general. It's just a good thing to have. Um, but, you know, that what's interesting, I think, is as you go more micro, as you get more specific with the job itself, the company itself, and I'll tell you, you know, one of the things that we're excited about being able to do in the future is to go even more micro than the job and look at the work group, look at the manager, look at specific fit. 
with the people that you're actually going to be working with. Um, and that's not something that's done commonly today, but I think it's, it's a direction that we're, we're investigating. So the more specific we can be, we might find out that, yeah, you know, sure, conscientiousness is, is good in general, but it doesn't do much for this particular job or this particular work group. Or we might find that everybody else in this work group is very conscientious, and therefore we don't need more of it. <laughs> we need something else. You know, we need more diverse skill sets for a particular group. Um, and I think that so much of our field in the past has been focused on benchmarks and, you know, simple linear correlations um, that were missing a lot of detail. And now in this kind of modern big data era, we can get more specific and we can find out more specific things, complementary fit, um, what, you know, and, and everybody likes to talk about how diversity is good for organizational performance, but you know, in a lot of selection systems, they're just hiring people that are carbon copies of the previous person that was hired and performed well. So we need to consciously be designing in diversity, too, to make sure that we're getting the proper mix. And I think, you know, in the past, that was very hard because data was much um, harder to come by. And these days, it is becoming more prevalent, and it's our task and our opportunity and our job collect it and to collate it and to figure out what it means so that we can be more targeted and more specific. So, so it's a, a, an observation of mine that what constitutes work varies broadly, that, that the exact things that might be work in one organization are the opposite of work in another organization. Do you see that? Yeah, I do think so. Um, you know, it's we're not all robots that are just designed to come in and produce some outcome. And the higher level you go, the more, you know, knowledge worker types of positions that you're dealing with. It becomes a lot more about how you get work done in the context of the organization than your specific, you know, intelligence or skills, I think. And I think that that is something that has oftentimes gone missing in how we select people because they're so generic, you know, selecting them based on a job description versus selecting them based on an ability to really understand what they're doing and get, get work done in a specific context. And I think to me, that's a big, just a big opportunity um, in, in the future uh, that we really weren't able to do in the past because again, I mean, that the data wasn't there, the ability to crunch it at scale wasn't always there. Got it. So, so there's a there's there's an army of people, um, a, a literal army of companies, moving in and around assessment and talking about the use of AI in and around assessment. Um, would you describe the stuff that you do as as using AI, and if if so, what is it, and if not, what do you think about AI yeah. in general? Well, AI to me is just. Uh, what it means is nothing, is is nothing. I mean, you know, and you can you could argue that a calculator from 1960, from the 1960s, is an AI device. You know, um, so what is AI? What is it? I, I mean, it's largely just a marketing term to me at this point. And what I like to focus on specifically is is machine learning and not all machine learning, but more current and modern machine learning, because machine learning has been around a long time too. 
Um, and then really what I'm excited about is deep learning. And, of course, deep learning hasn't been around very long at all, um, just the past decade or two since that's been really described and become operationalized to the point where companies like ours can use it. And deep learning is transformative. And that is the thing that is transforming the world around us with self-driving cars and, you know, uh, uh, speakers that you can talk to. I can't say the name of the speaker or it'll talk to me because it's right beside my head here. Um, you know, so that stuff is amazing. And we're using that in our research and we're beginning to integrate that into our solutions very carefully, I might say, though, not kind of all over the place and willy nilly, but it's very important to study how this stuff works and you really have to understand the consequences of using it. You know, does it lead to more validity in the hiring process? Great. But does it also lead to more bias? We have to, because that has to be handled first, um, I think as well. So, uh, so deep learning anyway is basically, if you're not familiar with it out there, it is a way to make sense of data, especially unstructured and complex data. And unstructured data is like freeform data. It's like my voice right now is unstructured data. I'm not answering specific multiple choice questions. That would be structured data. So it's, it's very difficult traditionally to analyze that type of data, like video and audio and things like that. But deep learning can do that. And it's advancing super quickly. It's very exciting stuff. So that, to me, is what is, is really exciting about the field. And most of the rest of the stuff is kind of, there's just a ton of hype out there, as you know. I mean, AI itself is just so general of a term that I don't even really know what it means these days. Yeah, it's a, it's it's an interesting problem because because people are talking about something that's reasonably important, right? They, they're under the umbrella of AI, you have the <clears throat> the the tension, right? The assessment assessment methods. Um, had adoption problems, I think, in large part because of how long it takes to to go through an assessment process. And so there's a there's a tremendous yeah. amount of energy being spent on reducing the time and cost associated with with um, uh, d with delivering assessment results. And that that often gets labeled as AI because it's a big data project that does a lot of correlation and results in perhaps usable stuff, but it doesn't sound to me like you're running down that path. Well, we certainly are trying to shorten the process whenever and wherever we can. Um, but we've also done a lot of research on opt out on candidates that drop out of our systems. And so a couple years ago, we published some research in the Journal of Applied Psychology, which is, you know, one of the preeminent journals of our field, where we looked at candidates that drop out. And what we found is that most of the candidates who do drop out, and it's just a small percentage, drop out in the very beginning of the experience. And hardly anybody drops out once they're really into the process, whether it's 20 minutes long or whether it's an hour long. It doesn't really make that much difference if the candidate feels like they're getting something out of it. And in our systems, as I said, you know, they're day in the life experiences. So they're very immersive and very engaging. And that's the whole point is that we want the candidate to get something out of it, to learn about the job as much as they can in that time frame. So, so I will say that, you know, we, 
always have had a little bit different view on the whole shortening the process thing because we found that with our own process and data. Now, I think overall the hiring process needs to get vastly shorter for sure, you know, and it would be great if we could go from two months to hire a person to two hours. And I think that that is doable in the future, and it really just comes down to collecting enough data all in one place and being able to make sense of it with algorithms, you know, all in one place and quickly. Um, so I think I think there's a lot that machine learning and AI can help with um, to get to that point. But really the challenge isn't machine learning or AI, it's data. You know, it's getting the data, good data, meaningful data, into one place so that algorithms and scientists can figure out what it means uh, and, you know, use it to help companies make fast decisions. That's interesting. One of the things that happens when you have all of these tools for crunching data floating around is that um, um, I'll say I'll say science stops being the operating objective and uh, the generation of results that look like science starts to take its place. Are you seeing that? Yeah, so, you know, I think there's this whole interesting battle kind of going on between traditional psychology or, you know, social sciences and data science. And in the traditional sciences, you start with a hypothesis, and then you test it, and you see if the data, you know, supports it or not. And in data science, you just take a whole bunch of data and see what you can find without any hypotheses a lot of times. And so it's very kind of a-theoretical. And I guess my view is somewhere in the middle, that as we collect more data, it actually becomes a lot more difficult to come up with reasonable hypotheses because the world is actually extremely complicated and the simplistic little hypotheses that our, that our minuscule human brains come up with are oftentimes not that accurate, you know? And um, so, hey, conscientiousness is linearly related to job performance. That is an example of a hypothesis that has been studied over and over in our field and is super simple. You know, it's very not, that's not complicated at all. So that's the kind of, <laughs> that's not a very advanced hypothesis for a bunch of academic PhDs sitting around to come up with. It's super simple. And I think that in reality, you know, yeah, conscientiousness is good, but it's probably modulated and it probably interacts with other variables in really complicated ways that, that we can't always figure out, you know. And so that's what having big data sets allows us to understand the reality much better. And, you know, I, I don't understand how conscious, con, or, sorry, consciousness arises in the human brain, but I don't want to give it up because I don't understand that, you know. And I think that there's a tremendous power in big data and, and machine learning and deep learning to explain things in the world. And we don't want to give that power up just because we don't always understand how it, how it comes about and how it arises. Got it. Um, so what do you think the big ethical issues are in your work? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think that there are a number of, of ethical issues, obviously, around the use of AI. Um, and I know I use that term even though I say I don't like the term. But, um, you know, I think the biggest thing is making sure that our science is rigorous and that we are 
trying to understand the black box that is inside the computer. You know, why are these predictions being made? Um, that's a huge, huge challenge for everybody out there that's using AI, and it's particularly important in our space in hiring because, you know, at the end of the day, we're, we are dealing with humans. And, I mean, most, you know, a third of our company is psychologists. So, you know, we want to do right by the individual. We care about the person and not just the, you know, kind of corporate machine trying to fill seats. So we have to be able to explain back to the candidate to give them information back that helps them understand who they are and what they're all about and why they fit or did not fit in the role. And that is something that has been slow to come about in our field because of legal concerns. You know, so for for most of the history of modern selection, lawyers have been saying, don't give your candidates any feedback because we don't want them to understand anything about the process that might allow them to make a claim or, you know, have more questions that we have to respond to. And I think that 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 tide has to change. And there's a lot of people focused on that now, but it's still a big, you know, thing that has to be addressed um, where we can really support the individual and give them back information that's helpful because otherwise, you know, with the power of AI and all this crazy stuff we're talking about, it runs the risk of becoming dehumanizing to the point where we're just, you know, slotting people into the role and not giving them a say in the, in the process and not helping them to understand whether it's right for them or not. So, I mean, to me, that's, that's a huge, a huge challenge. And I mean, we're, we're really focused on trying to create things that can be helpful to the, person uh, level, not just the company. Um, and then, you know, there's other certainly big um, ethical issues around um, diversity and bias and making sure that, that we aren't um, creating unintended consequences from using, you know, AI technology in ways that we don't understand. Um, so that's a huge focus. And it also, it used to be the case that that, that bias and diversity was sort of like a afterthought for a lot of companies. Their first concern was hiring people who fit. And yeah, yeah, we, we've got to make sure that there's no adverse impact, but it's a little bit of a secondary concern. And we used to have clients that some would, you know, feel very strongly about that and some would not care as much about it. And it had to do with their legal counsel a lot of times. Um, and so now I feel like we're in a, a much better position though, because that stuff is primary and important to most of our clients these days. It's, it's almost, you know, diversity and fairness and equity issues are just as important, if not more important than the predictive power of the system when it comes to predicting job performance. And that's pretty cool, I think, because as we, you know, do a better job of collecting data on these systems, we can find more and more types of biases and we can either factor them out of the scoring or we can alert hiring managers to their existence. We can do different things like that to try to highlight and eliminate these sorts of biases. And, and it, it goes beyond the, you know, 1960s, the Civil Rights Act of 1964, Title VII, um, prohibited discrimination based on race, color, religion, sex, national origin. And that was the focus of much of our work, you know, in, in, in bias for up until a few years ago. And now I think, wow, we can not only solve those problems, 
but we can also look at all the other myriad human cognitive biases that get in the way of making good decisions. And by collecting more data, we're going to chip away at those things and be able to help weed them out so that we can hire people who really can do the job regardless of them not maybe being similar to us, you know, or um, thinking like we do or us hitting it off in a friendly way. Maybe it's not about that. It's about doing the job and fitting in on a team in a way that is much more, I think, high fidelity and precise than we were able to be um, just a few years ago. So, I mean, those are some of the big things on my mind that are, I think, very exciting. And I have to pinch myself because we're in such a crazy time right now where we actually have the ability to collect this broad and descriptive and meaningful data and use super advanced analytical tools that we did not have when I started my career around the year 2000 and, and make advances that we could not make then. So, I mean, that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Do you think, do you think that it's possible to eliminate bias in the hiring process? You know, I, 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 I have said that I think we should have that as a goal. Um, But, you know, when you think about bias, it is, such an onion. It is such a multi-layered, deep issue, you know? And I think that, like, for example, if we know the demographic makeup of a candidate, of the candidates in our applicant pool, then we can use algorithms to make sure that one group isn't scoring higher or lower than another. That's pretty simple. And, And if they are, then we can spot that and we can fix it algorithmically to make sure that all these groups are scoring in a similar manner. So in that sense, we can eradicate it. We can eradicate group differences in the hiring process. But then, you know, you get at, well, how are humans using that information, right? And can we eliminate it from a human decision? I don't know. I mean, we can eliminate it from the data that the humans are using to make a decision, um, most of it. But then also, then we get even beyond the protected class stuff and look at, you know, like I always use the example of height. I don't think I can be president because I'm 5'6". I'm not over six feet tall, you know. So, like, there's, there's all these kinds of human cognitive biases that, that we all carry around and have that go way beyond the protected classes. So uh, how do we get at those? How do we get at those things, you know? And I think it's challenging. Um, I think we're going to get much closer to it with all the data we have and all the tools, analytical tools we have now than we ever could have in the past. It's, it, it raises an interesting question that we might, do, we might do a longer conversation on, which is, which is where is bias useful? Right. And, yeah. and right, right. It, if there's some sort of reason that the people over six feet tall are president, we, we'd hate to just, Get rid of that just to get rid of it. Yeah. Well, I would. I wouldn't because I'm short. But yeah, I see your point. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, no, well I, you know, I would favor it because I'm tall. So, so. Right. So. I know. You have a lot of hair too, which 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 I don't. So. You have so, me on two so, fronts. Yeah. So we should talk about that later. This has been a great conversation. Um, um, is there anything you want somebody listening to the show to? to be sure to take away from it. Yeah, that's, that's great. Um, I think that the big thing that I want 
to communicate to people is when you're looking at all these HR tools out there and thinking about how to improve your HR process, your hiring process specifically, I guess, don't be taken in by claims of hype, you know, about by specific tools that say they do this or say they do that. You have the right and the ability to collect data and to understand how a tool works. And if a vendor that you're talking to can't help you do that and can't show you proof of how they've studied their, their tool and how well it works, then I'm very skeptical that it does work. And I think, you know, so much of our industry is just focused on that. Here's a great idea. Let's, let's create a company around this great idea without ever really understanding whether it works or not in depth. And um, that's, that's my challenge for people out there and the thing that I want people to take away. And I say that even about our own tools. Do they work? Do they not work? Look at the data. And, and if they don't work, then we improve them or we replace them, you know. Um, so that's, that's the message, I guess. Fantastic. Thanks for taking the time to do this, Eric. Uh, would you reintroduce yourself and tell people how they might get a hold of you? Sure, absolutely. Uh, thanks, John. It's been a lot of fun. My name, again, Eric Seidel, and I am the EVP of Innovation at the new company formed by Shaker and Montage called Modern Hire. And um, my email address is uh, eric.seidel, which is S-Y-D-E-L-L, at modernhire.com. Thanks, and thanks again for doing this, Eric. It was a great conversation. You've been you listening bet. to HR Examiner's Executive Conversations, and we've been talking with Eric Seidel, who is the EVP of Innovation at Modern Hire. Thanks for joining us this week. We'll see you back here next week. Have a good weekend. Bye-bye now. 